God bless you. God bless you. Good evening to the collective out there. Who are the collective? I don't know. Probably some about five people out there who have interest in in sharing their faith and aligning their faith with their worldview. I mean, that's essentially what we're doing here, what we're about. And um, and season one is coming to a close. It, my my wife was like, why do you do it in seasons? I don't get it. You're not like some crime, you know, that crime mystery podcast and stuff. Well, because people like me need rest and um, to do production and, and advertising and all that stuff. You, you got to take a break, get those creative juices flowing again. And so we're going to take about a one month break, a couple of weeks, redo our store, a merch store. Um, uh, get get a little more knowledgeable about the technology that's out now. Um, probably tweak the website a little bit more. And then we're going to come back a little different. And so what I did want to do is um, give a little more insight as to what, um, what I'm trying to do, what I'm passionate about, and why we are covering a whole array of topics, um, especially biblical topics, with the name of Patriot Collective. What, what's that about? Well, here's the thing. My goal is, uh, to be honest with you, I, I am not um, trying to fashion uh, the Patriot Collective podcast to be something where um, uh, we take a bunch of patriots and convert them to Christians. And, um, you know, we have churches for that, ministry, great, great ministries are working on that. We have churches like Patriot Church that is um, completely dedicated to bringing people to Christ and being activated as patriots. That's great. Um, what I want to do, what I want to focus on is um, how do we get folks who are already born-again believers and really start thinking about their biblical worldview and how to be a better patriot. So if you are a born-again believer, but when you think of the word patriot, um, maybe it affects you in some way. Maybe um, it's something where you, I don't know, it, does, does, it doesn't jive with you. And, um, and, and so I, I want to educate how this Puerto Rican, um, who's, who's not Anglo, who wasn't raised up in some Southern, um, you know, racist, view. Um, I don't have guilt. I don't, I, I, I'm looking from the outside in and as a minority brought up in a predominantly African-American community in Miami, um, shout out to the people in Miami and, uh, near little Haiti and, and North Miami beach and that area, um, being raised in that, I, I got to see a lot of cultural trends. I got to see, um, a lot of things that were destroying the community. And, um, and then I had parents, I had great parents, thank God, that um, uh, didn't allow their racial identity to drive their thoughts. And so they were strict um, Christians. They were, um, you know, I was brought up in that household where we were not allowed to watch He-Man and, and, and I snuck it anyways. And then um, you know, and then they kind of relaxed on, on that level, like high level of legalism, even though now that I think about it, it was probably the best thing, um, you know, and, and so I was brought up in an environment where 
at age 11, I got to um, 11 or 12. I, I forgot, you know, the timeline, but I would sit and watch Ronald Reagan debate and watch George Bush when it was his turn to run. He was debating. And I actually got to see for my own um, what these different positions were. And I had to ask myself, um, what made sense for me? What 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 did I want to do in my life? And so being raised that way, I've been able to see things differently. And so uh, well, everyone loved Clinton, uh, Bill, uh, President Bill Clinton. I, I, I don't look at the personalities. Um, I've always been a person that looked at the policies and how, how does it mix with scripture? How, how is scripture um, supporting this or, or not supporting it? Uh, and then I began um, understanding a little more about the racial tensions. And, and, and so, and then I, I, there was this huge movement. I don't know if you remember this time, but there was a time where there was a cultural, major cultural shift. And I, I, I hate to say this, but it, it, to me, this is where a lot of things began changing. Um, and this is when this whole grunge alternative music made a mass push. I mean, um, th that brought in a grassroots sort of rebellious uh, pushback against authority, pro-alphabet um, 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 uh, ideology. Uh, and then the church so started to see a little decline uh, because of this rebellion. And then they began trying to do things to outreach um, to these people. And these, uh, the, these, these type of outreaches was about um, getting in touch with our feelings. And, and, it, and it really began to elevate methodology and how do we minister to people. And it wasn't, um, I guess we got a little confident that we knew the word of God, but we, we needed to update our approach. And so our music began to change, but it, it didn't change in a way. And I'm talking about within the church. It, it didn't change in a way um, where we were just trying to be creative, right? It, it really more changed like a way, like we wanted to emulate the world and we wanted to attract the world. And we wanted the people and again, this is the 90s, right? We, we just wanted people to like Jesus. And, and so I'm guilty here, but then we, we wanted to make churches like coffee houses and places to hang out. And we want and, 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 and that was me. I love that. I love that whole concept of, hey, man, come in and let's talk versus like you stare in the back of someone's head. Um, and, and, and so some of those concepts, I think, were helpful. Um, I just think that there was a drop in our guard, right? And, and so we started to elevate um, all of these methodologies to make the world um, like us. And in that process, um, some of us woke up. Some of us woke up and said, no, this is dangerous. Um, and, I, and I would suggest that almost everyone who was raised in the church, who was young and remained a committed Christian, at some point began getting a little deceived. In the, in the process. At some point, um, we started to shift a little bit. And some of us woke up. Some of us started to see the, the liberal liberalization of the church, the, the pushing back 
on what's acceptable, what's not. And so to me, I think what's happened and what the Patriot Collective is about is looking at the church and kind of course correcting and, and asking people, if you are a born again believer, if you believe the scriptures are infallible, if you believe as a Christian that Jesus is king, his word does not change, right? Um, then what does that mean about our behavior, our participation, the level of commitment that we exercise out in the world? What does that mean? What does that mean? And so for me, that's what I am trying to define. The Patriot Collective is about what it means when we go out into the world and how do we participate from our engagement at work to how we engage in our homes, how we engage in our life and our private life. And, and, and so uh, th that's what this is about. So let me um, suggest to you, and I'm going to bring a little diagram that I think will help explain what I'm trying to say a little bit better. Um, and so and let me go ahead and bring that in here. And I think um, in the past, I used to talk a lot about this. Um, if you f tried searching in the, in, the, uh, in the history of Facebook or um, even in YouTube, you'll probably find me preaching a couple of times um, when I was pastoring a church. For those of you who don't know, yes, I was a pastor for many, many years. And, um, and I think God has benched me for a little bit um, to, to take care of a couple of things, but I'll explain that to you a little bit later. Um, but the point is that, uh, this is a pretty good example of how the average, um, ch Sunday going church Christian views their life. Uh, and I, dare I even say some people who consider themselves hardcore Christians, um, view their life in compartments. Okay. We view our life in sections. We have our work life. We have our home life. We have our thought life, right? And then we have church life. And no, no, I didn't say our spiritual life. I said church life, because for those who do compartment, I, I can't say that word, compartmentalization, blah, 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 blah. you know what I'm talking about? When we compartmentalize things, um, we really are not talking about a spiritual life. We're talking about what we can put in the box. And you can't put your spiritual walk with the Lord in the box. However, you can put your church attendance in a box. And you can put the fact that you do these good deeds in a box. It's, it's nice. It's not messy. It's predictable. It's controllable, right? And, and, and for many of us, that is our spiritual life. Our spiritual life consists of not being messy, completely organized. Uh, you know, hey, God, put one on the scoreboard for me. I went to church. I took a shower. I got out. Now, Monday, let me start my work life, right? And then we start the, the boxing again, the compartments. And so for many of us, this is our Christian life. And, and when we put things in compartments in this manner, um, it has an impact on us. It has 
uh, an effect on our behavior and our outlook and our biblical outlook. So let me help you understand um, what that is, right? Because it essentially what it means is my church life can be great. I go to church, I read the Bible, I pray, right? I, I do these activities and that's my church life. However, my church life doesn't always reflect my thought life, right? And so I can ask you and many people that you know in the church, um, what's your position on pro-life? And you would be shocked to find that there are some people who said, well, in my thought life, in my opinions, or in my voting life, right, where I generate my ideas, what I lean on, what's my go-to, my source of data, right? Um, I am pro-life, but I believe that people have the right to murder because essentially that's what we're saying, right? We have the uh, certain right to mur murder. And so what's happened? We see the disconnect from this church life from our thought life, okay? Then we also see a scenario where I go to church, right? And I go to on Sunday and I affirm all these things. I affirm everything that the pastor tells me I should affirm. The pastor tells me, you know, repeat after me and you repeat it. <laughs> turn to your neighbor and say, and you turn to your neighbor and you say it, right? But then you go home and women, you know, our wives, are just constantly arguing with her husbands, right? And they're arguing with their husbands and and they rebel and they push back on this concept of submission and call it misogyny. And 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 so you have that struggle at home. And it's like, wait a minute. Um, you know, what are we talking about here? What do we have? What we affirm at church? Or do we have the same concept still? Or, or are we not? Right. And then we excuse it by saying, well, no one's perfect. And so even for us men, you know, I'll be honest with you when 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 I'm struggling and I'm having conflicts with my spouse. I have a tendency to do what Adam did. Right. We kind of just kind of shrink back and disengage. We want peace. We don't want problems. We don't want. And that's the exact opposite. That's that's our cue to lead. Right. And so sometimes we don't want to lead. We don't want the drama. Uh, and then we, 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 who do we do? We blame, we blame our wives. Well, she's just, she's just out of control. She's just crazy. She's just, no, what she's looking for is for us to be the stabilizer, right? She's looking for us to step up and say, wait a minute, let's pray about this. Wait a minute. Let's go to the word of God. Wait a minute, honey. I'm here for you. Talk to me. I'm going to listen to you. I, I want to hear where you're coming from. And so again, that's the call for, 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 for men. For, for husbands to take this mantle of leadership in the home. Sometimes it's, it's our responsibility to say no in a loving, um, in a loving, caring, gentle way, but it's our job to say no. And here's why this is where it violates the word of God. And so um, our home life often is, is a, it's a pie, right? Remember how we, we were taught in school? The pie theory, where they kind of split everything up and everything had its little category. Well, that for many of us, that that's our Christian walk. And then don't get me started with work. 
right? Because even at work, we have a, a, sometimes a divorce. The things we talk about, the things we engage, um, the, the things that we permit um, to come out of our mouth, the things that we do when we go go get a couple of drinks after work or, or go have dinner or meet up with the fellas after work. And it's completely 100% divorced from, listen, not our spiritual life because we don't got a spiritual life. It's divorced from church life. And again, this is your typical American who maybe had a really rough upbringing, was not discipled in the church. And remember, the word disciple means disciplined, right? They're not disciplined like an athlete is disciplined in their craft, right? Um, and, and so uh, you have Christians walking into these doors, uh, being entertained, and they don't know how to unify all of these concepts, work, home, thought life, church life, there's just, um, clue, there's just a clueless idea on how to unify all these things. And so what is the Patriot Collective trying to do? Why are you bringing this illustration to me? Well, because if you see here, this is supposed to be the biblical concept of a, of a born-again believer that manages all things through Christ, okay? So what are we trying to do here? Well, what we're trying to do is help you to see that you are one person. You are not pie, okay? You don't have multiple people, personalities. You don't, and, 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 and this is, by the way, this is how people develop multiple personalities in a sense is when they're trying to escape things and to create these safe spaces, these alternate personas. This is how narcissism is, that develops. Um, these are all very dangerous traits. And when we try to bring them into the church, it becomes even more dangerous because then we start doing the whole grace thing. You know what I'm talking about? Well, we're saved by grace. And, you know, God's not going to judge us. Jesus took the penalty. So let me go back to pie, right? And so... And so when we look at our life, do you see one life or do you still compartmentalizing all these different parts of your life in different categories and they're not unified? And so when you come to Christ, he sees the fruits of your life, one life, right? And so all things life is supposed to be submitted to Christ. And you may say, well, you know, I just can't get there. I don't understand how, what you mean by that. And how do you come to that conclusion? What do you mean all things need to be submitted to Christ? Well, this is what I mean, and this is the hard part um, of, of the Christian life. And so let's go really quick to Romans chapter 6, and, um, and I want to I kind of help you see where we're talking about Romans chapter six and where this is talked about in, in the gospels, because we lean on Paul so often and, and we want to elevate this idea of grace. And then we stop there and Paul never did that. And so remember from a, um, you know, from a hermeneutic perspective, we're not supposed to 
see the scriptures with titles and chapters and verses, right? Especially in the epistle form, it's a letter. And it's almost always better to read it like from the beginning to end. And um, and so you you kind of um navigate safe waters when you try to understand things in context. Uh, I'm not against topical preaching and pulling out verses, but it takes a very skilled person to make sure they present a holistic argument or teaching versus parsing things out. And so with that being said, in Romans chapter 6, verse 5, um, Paul is speaking about what happens when you become a believer. Now, this is not optional. This is a material fact. This is a reality. And you will see often in, in the Patriot Collective postings or on my personal board, I say that Christianity is a state. It's not a goal. And when, when you try to create pie in your life, Christianity almost becomes something you're going to obtain. Like, I need to be a better Christian. If I pray more, if I read my Bible more, if I, you know, if I love people more, if I do these good deeds more, I'm, I'm going to align myself with God better. God's going to like me more or bless me more or give me more or increase my anointing, right? Like somehow God's going to give me more favor. Let's just put it like that. More blessings and more favor if I do X, Y, Z. And, and then we try to be slick and we play around with these terms a little bit because um, we, we don't know how to say, um, no, you know what? I should do these things because I love God, but there, there's no, there, he's blessing me with every spiritual blessing. Maybe I just don't see them. Maybe I, I, I don't see them because I'm too busy choosing the wrong thing. Right. And so, so when we understand Christianity, we need to understand that it is a state. When you become a Christian, something happened. You were born again. You were crucified with Christ. You were regenerated and born again. And you were born again in spirit. And now you have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And that's the game changer. Okay. That is a huge game changer. Everything changed at that point. When you became regenerated in the Holy Spirit, everything changed for you, okay? It wasn't like the Old Testament days where, where a person's relationship relied on the prophets to kind of uh, say things and utter the words of God. And, and no, those days are gone, right? Jesus said, Moses brought the law, but I, I've come to bring grace. And so the idea behind this is, listen, when you come to Christ, something happened. And it was, there was a process, a, a, real, a reality that changed for you. Paul says it like this, all things have passed, all things are new. Now, some of us come to church and old things are still new. Mm, nothing's passed. And, and so the, the pastor comes and says, just raise your hand and repeat after me. And you're buying into, you know, fire insurance. And you don't want to go to hell or you, or you got a little emotional. and you went home and you thought about, was this real? And then, and then you start to say, man, Christianity asked for a lot. And then, and then you're, and then you read, you went on Facebook one day and, and you pulled up all these liberal wacko preachers, um, you know, that all they tell you is that you're great. Nothing's wrong with you. 
you're awesome. You know, God wants to make you happy and God, God wants to, you know, give you a great job and God, you know, and, and you are empowered and you are, and you, and you hear all this stuff and then, and then you read, well, oh, so I don't have to change. I just have to be positive. Right. And, and, and you see the problem there is that, is that change is not a, a forward looking sort of distant thing. You were already supposed to be changed. <laughs> if when you're born again, your desires change, that doesn't mean you don't have dual desires. You do. You still have the flesh that, that ministers to you, that those cravings and those, and it's called the nature, right? But you, you have a competing new nature in you. The problem is that if you're not born again, you don't got that nature. Okay. So what is Paul talking about here? He's talking about that reality. That man, something happened to you when you went on the cross. In verse 5, it says, For if we have been united with him in de death, if, that's the qualifier, if, you get it? If you were united. Now, if you weren't united with him in death, nothing here is going to apply to you. You're probably going to hear everything I said, and if you were not united with him in death, it's going to sound Foolish, 100% foolish to you, okay? So follow with me. If you were united with him in death, like his, not like your own, you know, you don't unite yourself in death by saying I'm going on the Facebook fast. That's not uniting yourself in his death, <laughs> okay? That's, that's like, oh, I'm going to go on a fast, on a social media fast. That's great. I think doing a social media fast is great for you and your stress levels and all that stuff, but that's not contextually what the scripture's talking about, right? So it says, united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly, if you were united with him in his death, then you will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self, not, not that we guess, right? But we know our old self was uh, crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Note that this verse is not talking about in any way, shape, or form committing sin. It's talking about being enslaved to sin or let me fashion it in a different way serving sin, practicing sin, indulging in sin. Let me go further, enjoying sin. Now, listen, believer, if you sin and you don't have this moment during the process where you say, oh, I'm so disgusted by this. Like, why do I always fall for this? My God, this is so grieving to the Holy Spirit. I, I, I can't, and, and there's just like this conflict and you're wrestling with it. That is, yes, that is a win because you're grappling because there's evidence of this nature conflicting with your sin, the nature of your flesh, and it's alive and, 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 and you see it and you're disgusted by it differently from the person who indulges their sin practices sin, let me help you here, and says that the sin that you're practicing is actually okay. 
It's it's perfectly fine. You know, I'm same-sex attracted person and I it's all good. It's okay. It's fine. This see that is the evidence that there there hasn't a death has not occurred. Okay? So he says because you're a slave from sin, um I, we have been liberated from that to so in verse 6 so that we will no longer be enslaved to sin. Verse 7, for one who has died has been set free from sin. If you're dead, then you're no longer in this position where you're constantly indulging. You've been set free from that, right? You're, you're, you're not helpless. You can overcome, right? And so verse 8, now if, if, again, the qualifier, if we have died with Christ, we believe, excuse me, that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. The life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. And I just want to park the car in verse 11 really quick. Listen, it doesn't say you should. It doesn't say, hey, you know, maybe you should take a look at this. Because I know some of you get all like all twisted when, when you have a pastor kind of deliver the word of God to you sharply, right? And, and we don't like that. We don't like sharpness. But there, there's no squirming out of this. There's no squirming out of this. And this is what I don't understand. If you're going to be a Christian, identify it, then say, hey, you know what? This is true. And I got to work. I, I, I got to get to that point where I'm ready to submit. I, I know God's word is true, but I, I'm not obeying that. That's honesty. And, and, and the quicker you get to that point, you can get to discipline and God will discipline you and you'll come back to the fold and, and he'll, he'll start revolutionizing your life. Um, but when you start looking at this and you start trying to explain it away, well, you know, it's Christ who died. I, it, you know, this is figurative. And listen, don't, don't do that. So he says, so you also must. Now, I, I got to tell you, because this word here, considered, it means, and I'm going to throw it out here. Hopefully I can bring it up. It says, reckon or account. That's the Greek word, okay? Reckon or account yourself or treat yourself accordingly. So you have to consider. You have to almost tell yourself, hey, wait a minute. I know my inclination and I may have a desire like this, but but I, I have to consider this part of my life dead. Now, what does that have to do with the diagram I was showing you before? Well, it has everything to do with it. Um, because again, if all things are submitted to Christ, all of all things in life should be dead and submitted to God. So he can craft all things of your life new. He can craft a new life for you. And this is what Paul was trying to say by 
behold, all things are new. And so if, and I'm going to say this, and I want you to understand, put on, right, your thinking caps, right? So when you go out and you engage your wife or you engage your kids and your kids ask you, hey, dad, or hey, mom, um, I want that new iPhone. And you, and, and you, and with, with, with your life submitted to God, have you thought about the doorway that you are opening your kids to that they are not equipped and maturely prepared to handle? Now, a person who's dead is going to go to scripture and say, God, inform me on this. God, inform me on how my son or daughter is going to be impacted by this decision. Right. And and if you put on the biblical eyes, you're going to agree that your angel son and daughter who can do no wrong is probably a demon in the making. <laughs> I, I say that facetiously, but I'm really not. Right. In other words, we're all sinners. You know, our hearts are evil and they're, the heart is sick. And we sin by nature. And, and and when you bring a child into this world and you're saying, oh, how cute, and, 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 and that's your first sort of mindset, how cute, how adorable, I can't wait to put this little shirt on them and these little pants and take them to get their pictures and get their ears pierced. And, and you know, men, let your wife have her moment, but you better start putting that helmet on saying, this is a little demon in the making. This little baby has going to have all these inclinations to sin. And I have to be cautious on how my child, how they're going to be developed, what they're listening to, what's being taught to them in school. Right? What, what, what are they teaching my kid in school? And you have to be engaged and prepared. Why? Because all things in life have to be dead. It can't be your assumptions. It can't be what any politician says it is. It can't even be, I must say it, be honest with you, it can't even be the Constitution. It can't be the law, meaning the laws of your local state. It can't be because Biden said something or Congress passed law. It has to be because of the word of God. And when you start understanding that, and I'm talking about really understanding that and paying the consequences for that and really standing strong on that, dare I say that you have no choice, but you are by de facto almost a Christian nationalist because today, if you were to engage, again, listen, if you were to engage in the public square, what are we saying? Well, we want our public schools to respect God. I mean, great. We don't want facilities that the government owns to be the centers of indoctrination. I don't want that. I don't want uh, then which doctrine, right? And, and, and which denomination? And no, no. I just want there to be the Ten Commandments, the fear of the Lord, the, the, the righteousness of God reflected in, in our public schools. Right? I, I don't want our public libraries to have filth 
Our children should not be forced to confront sexuality at such a young age. That should be left to the parents. Right? And so this idea of modernizing um, I values, not modernizing technology, modernizing values becomes a problem. Becomes a problem. And so when you start thinking about how we engage in schools, how how we think about abortion, how we think about traditional marriage, how we think about um, our standards as a society when we talk about the languages we use and, and, and information readily available, right? Should we stop information from, um, from freely being expressed? Well, maybe not, right? Maybe not, but maybe we should have better tools and empower parents more and respect parents more um, to be able to restrict some things, right? And then, yeah, when it comes to um, mutilization and, and things that are so extreme that we know they're corrupting the minds, things like pornography that has already proven to lower testosterone in men. It's already proven to destroy marriages. It's already proven that it creates soy boys. It, we already know that. Yeah, maybe, maybe there needs to be restrictions on that. Right? And so when you come to Christ, understand that all things are dead. You don't derive an opinion. You know, so, so I hear some people arguing, um, hey, but how about the person who who's you know going through this situation? Die. Stop assuming. Die already. Die. <laughs> I just don't get what part of death do you in your assumption falls death on you, like die, right? Yeah. But I think die. Yeah. But you know, I had a cousin die, right? Um, you know, well, God, you know, I follow you, but I have to bury, let the dead bury their own. Let it die. Okay. And that's the problem. And so we have Christians who are incapable of dying to these allegiances they're holding, whether it be because their kids are part of the alphabet community or whether they're friends or maybe they know. I can't tell you how many times I've heard it before where they say, well, you know, I, I know a really good person who X, Y, Z. And, you know, I know a really good person who, it's like this whole debate with the Southern Baptist, the SBC vote with women pastors and whatnot. You know, well, I know, you know, Billy Graham's daughter, die. I don't care what Billy Graham says. God bless him. I don't care what Billy Graham says. I don't care that Billy Graham said his daughter is the best preacher. Die. Right? Right? It's like, that is the call. The call is to take your assumption out of the picture and go into the word of God and begin living your life in the public square the way that honors God. And that is what we are trying to do at the collective. And so I am inviting you and everyone paying attention. And, and maybe some of you are hearing this and you're going, man, yeah, man, that's me. Share it. Share it because we need to hear this. We need to hear this message of dying. We need to die to ourselves, die to our lust, die to our own decisions. You know, I, I remember hearing somebody say, well, you know, if I don't love my wife anymore and um, and, and, and I, I want to leave and, 
you know, I I don't have anybody else. I just want to leave and and you know, there's just no love there. What should I do? Die. That's what you should do. Die. Stay there. Something happened. You know, there was a reason when you were together to begin with. Die. How about that? If you're a Christian, die and stay home. And figure it out with the Lord. And figure out what part of laying down your life and your desires for your spouse is are, are you missing, right? Yeah, but I just feel like I'm wasting my life. Good. You should waste your life. Die. <laughs> you get where I'm coming from? And so th this is this is where we're at in America. While in China, literally, they're dying for the, for the Lord. They're going to jail for 10 years for meeting in, in a home. They're, they're being persecuted. And in certain Muslim countries, not all, but in certain Muslim countries, you, you cannot meet and worship God. You know, in China... Uh, they memorize the Bible, right? And so this is so important for us. I'm going to close with this and I'm going to end um, on this and, and, and to help us understand why this is important and why we must begin pushing back and we have to stop being so passive and we have to stop being so neutral in, in the public square. Yes, in the public square, we have to stop being neutral. We have to learn to push back, of course, Gracefully, lovingly, humbly, right? But truthfully and boldly, right? We, we never use violence. We don't believe in violence, right? However, we push back in a way that reflects what we believe to be the truth, the word of God. Now, there was this experiment done that I've heard retold a thousand times, and it really makes me understand what's happening in this world. And it makes me understand on what's happening to the born-again believers in the church that are unwilling, unwilling to unify their life, okay? So there was, uh, they hired like six, six actors in, in a lobby, in, in a, like in a doctor's office lobby, and they waited for a person to come in. And, um, and when this person came in, um, they, they were not actors. They were a real client of the doctors. They sat down, and the receptionist in, in this controlled experiment will hit the bell. Um, you know, a little front lobby bell, bing. And when she would hit the bell, the actors who were paid, the six actors who were paid would stand up and then sit down. And, um, and, and, they, and, and every 10 minutes that would happen, the bell would ring and the actors who were paid would stand up, then sit down. Then what would happen? Well, as we know, the person sitting there going like, what's going on, began after the sixth or seventh time, they didn't want to feel left out, they would stand along with the paid actors. Now, what started to happen was they would filter the actors out as one new person who was not an actor would come into the lobby. They would take one person who was a paid actor and filter them out. And they would constantly do this. And this was ongoing. Every 10 to 15 minutes, the bell would ring. And you would see that the new person coming in would get acclimated to the environment, stand up and sit down. Well, eventually, all of the actors filtered out. And what you had were six people who were real clients sitting down waiting for the doctor. And they would stand up and sit down when the bell rung. Now, here's the point. None of them knew why they were standing. None of them knew why when the bell rings, 
They stand. They never questioned it. They never turned to their neighbor and said, hey, why are we standing up and sitting down at the same time? Um, and, and here's the thing. That's what's happening right now in the church where we're parroting these ideas and we don't even know why because we don't know the word of God, right? We, we don't see how it's conflicting with the word of God. So we parrot these phrases. We, we attach ourselves to these woke movements. We, we use words like social justice and don't even know what it means. We don't know where it came from. We don't know the people promoting it. We don't know the role of George Soros in promoting these nonprofits that have gotten their claws into the church to promote that. We don't know where it's coming from, right? And so uh, we don't know. We just are going to say what everyone else is saying. We're just going to do what everyone else is doing, right? It's like when we go to church and everyone stands up, we stand up, right? We don't know why. We're not worshiping God. We're just going to stand up because everyone else stand up. Well, here's the point. Patriot Collective wants to help you sit down, okay? We want to help you not stand up when the bell rings and only when God calls, okay? And begin to question your environment. Begin to question why the mandate came out and what was the idea behind closing the churches down. You ever thought about that? We all knew it was a farce. They all knew it was a farce. We knew not. We know now that they knew that the shutdown wasn't, that being that long wasn't going to be affected. They knew the fatality rate. So what was behind that? Open your eyes. There's more to this world than Fauci, right? There's a spiritual war happening. We have to open our eyes to that. Not conspiracy theorists. This is Bible, right? For the believers, this is a scripture. So our job here at the collective is to get us to understand a little bit more about how that's going to impact us. Now, I have an important um, uh, idea that I want to share with you, and, um, and it's more about what's to come in the future. As we come season one to a close and, and, we, and we start retooling and rethinking, what are we going to do for season two? And so I'm excited because we're going to do different things. We, we kind of want to experiment on um, themes. And so this was a season one was marked on cultural issues and, and things that we're kind of going through. Um, as Christians, right? And, and we, we may revisit that in season two. But for the most part, for season two, what I really wanted to do was um, focus on marriage in the home. And I'm happy to announce that uh, season two will, will be peppered in and out. Uh, me and my wife are going to be doing it together as a joint idea. And we're going to be sharing a little bit about um, our life and our marriage and in our struggles, because we still struggle. Um, anyone who says that their marriage is peachy, I don't know. I don't know. The flesh is not peachy. So we still struggle. We still have arguments. Um, we still have disagreements, right? Um, and so these are all things that I want to share. And I want to open up my marriage and be vulnerable and share some of the things that have helped us, some of the things that we're struggling with, that maybe someone has, um, some good ideas on, on, on how to uh, sanctify and get better. And don't get me wrong. I'm, I know many people that are going to probably write me on the side. Hey, don't open too much about, uh, you know, X, Y, Z. You know, the whole point is, is to build a community of people who are dying. And I want my marriage to be one that is void of self and wants to glorify God and wants to serve. And so we're going to share our process. 
and we're going to share how um, pitfalls that we've fallen through and ways that we've gone through it and things that we're still going through and trying to climb out of. And so season two is going to be fashioned in that way. In and out will also bring in some other couples that I've reached out to already that have been married and gone through really, really hard, hard things. Um, death in the families and, and serious traumas and how as a family they've been able to get through it. Um, we'll also bring in and um, uh, a psychologist who's Christian and kind of talk about the importance of marriage. And we'll, we'll, we'll bring it in a couple of a mixes, but I'm excited for this new season. And this is going to start closer to the end of July. We're going to take a couple of weeks off. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for those of you who are watching, for those who broadcast, uh, who play the broadcast on YouTube, Twitter, and all those other um, uh, social media sites that are uh, really paying attention to this. I'm excited to see what season two has. I'm going to close in prayer real quick, and I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God illuminates the eyes of your understanding, that you began cultivating a mind that reflects what Paul says, right? Capturing all things to the obedience of Christ, right? And began filtering and being encouraged to fight the battle of your thought life, right? And began unifying your life as one being under God, completely sold out to God, dead, and living your life for him. So I'm going to pray for you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for everything um, that you've done and everything you're doing through Patriot Collective. I pray for everyone watching today, Lord, that again, that you renew their mind, that you um, just give them that aha moment, that epiphany, Lord, of what they need to do for their life to be reflected on you. Lord, I break every bondage in the name of Jesus that may be attacking them, all satanic influences in their home, all demonic activity that is trying to influence a different ideology, a different foreign doctrine, a doctrine of demons that minister to us through the television, minister to us through the schools and, and through other means, Lord. I come against it in Jesus' name. And I ask you, Lord, to just continue working in the lives of those who hear this and convict them to come to your feet and surrender to you. I thank you in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Um, we will see you in about four weeks. God bless you.